I'm Caleb Kid Coy, Epic Legacy Hero Builder, and I'd like to welcome you to Living Like a Bank. Along with myself, you'll hear from other successful experts and people who are busy serving and empowering many lives. You'll see how we're showing others to become debt-free in record time as they build economic discipline while generating a bulletproof family legacy revenue stream together. We'll learn how to live and operate just like the banks do. I'm excited today to introduce a special guest to you. Christian McFarland is with us today. And Chris and I are going to talk about some really neat topics around living like a bank, uh, how we connected, and what really influenced us into going down this path ultimately in, in researching you know, what this concept was, what this strategy is, and the tools behind it. So Chris, I'd like to welcome you today. How are you, man? I'm doing great, brother man. Uh, glad to be here this morning. It's, uh, it's an honor and a distinct pleasure for sure. Super stoked and pumped to have you here. So let's dig right into this. What do you say? I got my shovel, man. I got my shovel and I ain't afraid to use it. I love it. So talk to us a bit about how you personally got into this. How did you find yourself in the position you're in now? Well, I mean, you, you know, obviously, but uh, I'll go ahead and tell the story for the, for the sake of our audience. But um, uh, as you know, I was living in California and uh, my dad became uh, ill and uh, he ended up passing away. And uh, my mom was uh, left with a mortgage she basically couldn't pay. And so uh, my wife and I uh, made a decision uh, because this whole show is about legacy, right? And uh, right. Uh, the, the, the house that uh, my mom was gonna lose is something that we very much want to keep in the family. Uh, as you know, Caleb, I'm a, I'm a new grandpa, pretty excited about that. Uh, <laughs> I got a little grandbaby uh, and uh, God willing, hopefully a lot more. But um, anyhow, uh, so talking about legacy, right, uh, I found myself having to make a decision of moving from California back home to Colorado, where I'm originally from. And uh, I had a little bit of credit card debt, but, um, you know, we didn't have any mortgage in California. And when we picked up stakes, I found myself from being pretty close to debt free to having a $250,000 mortgage and almost 18 years to, to pay it off. And uh, I walked around for a year and a half feeling kind of uh, nihilistic about it, to be honest with you, uh, a little bit defeatist, um, like I might never be able to pay it off, quote, never, right, or at least uh, not anytime real soon. And so when I found out about this uh, program uh, through uh, Dave Weiner, who I believe you've also had as a guest on this, uh, on this podcast, but um, even before he wrote the book about uh, banking like a bank, he had uh, found a company that helped people get out of debt. And, um, you know, so the way I found out about this literally is my boss told me to do it, uh, uh, to run my own numbers. Okay. Uh, he didn't tell me anything else, but I was a good boy and I went and ran my numbers. And, and Caleb, as you know, it turned out that I could go from uh, almost 18 years to pay off uh, that mortgage with the income that I had. I didn't have to change my lifestyle or income, but it cut 10 years off of that from 18 years to eight years. Amazing. And so, I mean, uh, to be completely candid, when my boss first gave me the assignment to go run my numbers, I got to be honest, I had a little bit of a bad attitude about it. That was kind of my attitude going into it. How much is this going to cost me? What, what, what Is this going to be a new pain in the butt? But after I ran my numbers, I totally did a 180, so to speak. 
um, and, and ended up feeling like, well, how could I afford to not do this? Because in addition to cutting off 10 years of time, it was going to save my family over $110,000 that we would have paid to the bank, Boom. which is interest cancellation. Now that's so, worth celebrating, huh? Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it was uh, it was enough to make me uh, go ahead and, and buy the program and start using it. It's called the Money Max program from United Financial Freedom. And um, I've been using it for about three years now. So, um, and then I, there's there's a part two to that, but that's really the how I got involved is, is the answer for that. I like that. So let's talk a bit, you know, about really expounding on what you just mentioned, that big old fat, juicy elephant in the room, which is debt. And it's a heavy burden on the hearts and minds of many Americans. It's caused countless divorces and breakups and um, mental and psychological breakdowns in people's lives. And we're, we're within a system and economic structure that is built around it. It really, the wheel doesn't really spin without debt. That's a reality. So as we, as we talk about how we can do that, and I so appreciate the legacy mindset that you share, obviously a big part of why you and I became friends and why we work together and do what we do is because legacy is so much more than me or I. I mean, legacy is about taking care of our families. It's about you know, paying off your mother's mortgage and it's about leaving generational wealth behind. So what, talk to us, Chris, about what you've really learned over these last few years since you got started with these tools and principles. Well, um, thanks. Thanks for asking that, Caleb. Uh, the, that is kind of leading me into the, the part two that I was alluding to a second ago, because when I first started this program, it's basically a really simple process. It couldn't be any simpler. You, you pay all your normal bills the way you normally do. That's step one. And then any extra money. The program doesn't work unless you have some extra money, okay? <laughs> um, but it can be as little as a couple hundred dollars a month or obviously a lot more. Um, and when I started the program, I only had a couple hundred extra. And uh, so I simply was moving that into my savings account and then waiting for the right timing until, because uh, what the technology does is it makes sure that I don't mess up the rest of my budget while I'm paying off my debt. Because as important as it is to pay off my debt, it's even more important to live my life the way I want to with my family now, right? So the software we keeps you accountable, essentially, is what you're saying. It keeps me accountable to myself. Nice. So I could get into a whole wormhole about the difference between morality and ethics, but it boils down to what other people tell you or what you decide for yourself about right and wrong. And so the Money Max system works more like ethics, where it's your decision about what's moral, as opposed to what somebody else is telling you you should do. So this isn't a system where somebody is arbitrarily telling you do this. It's more of a bespoke approach where you're tailoring it to your needs and goals, hmm. such as they are. Okay. Makes so Max, sense, yeah. the Money Max system is like a personal assistant in many ways, or a VA, right? Like a virtual assistant, because obviously it's technology based. And and just to kind of dramatize it, like personally, I think of my Money Max account as uh, just personally, I think of it, since it's called Max, I think of it like this redheaded uh, kid who just graduated from Rutgers and wears a bow tie. And when I need some math done, I'm like, hey, hey Max, Max, come over here. I need to see you for a minute. And he comes running down the hallway and he's like, sir, yes, sir. You know, what do you need? You know, and I'm like, hey, I, I need you to go crunch these numbers on how fast I could afford to buy my dream Porsche or my wife's Lexus or 
or uh, to what if I want to set up a political action committee to leave a legacy to help my daughter and her uh, campaign uh, stuff in the future? What if I wanted to create a mission trip to Africa? What if I wanted to do any number of things? I can tell Max, hey, go do, go crunch the numbers on this. How long, how much longer would it take me to get out of debt if I do this? Hmm. How soon can I afford to buy this thing that I want to buy, to move my wife back to California uh, to make us both happy, to enjoy warmer weather in the winter and things of that nature, right? But so what I've learned is that I got the Money Max system in the first place because it was going to help me get out of debt faster. And to just be more organized, like Quicken or something like that. Be more, like you said, Caleb, accountable to myself. Mm -hmm. But what I've learned is how to do financial forecasting and to actually plan ahead for things I want to get in the future. So just really quickly, this is has nothing to do with what we're talking about per se, um, but there's a thing called a reverse mortgage. Now, the only reason I'm bringing that up is my mom is older and she's eligible for a reverse mortgage. And my sister and I, did some research and we found out that it was very beneficial to do a reverse mortgage for my mom, which we now have in place. The only reason I bring that up is to say, I no longer have that $250,000 mortgage. Hmm. I bought the system to pay off the mortgage, but guess what? The reverse mortgage is still accruing interest. So without getting all into a, a backweed story, it's still in my interest to pay my interest to pay that off so the bank makes less profit. So I still have it in my money max account, even though we don't have to make payments. But what that means is that's freeing up my cash flow to do other things. Mm. Okay. That's a little, little cash, cash flow. flow. Cash flow is always good. And, and cash flow is what makes the program work. So if I simply put that in my old fashioned regular savings account, going back to my original numbers, let's say that I could go from 18 years to eight years to get out of debt and save 110 or so thousand dollars. Those would all be good numbers, but I'd also be sending in $250,000 to the finance company never to be seen again. Mm -hmm. And that's what I signed up for in the first place. And I was pretty darn happy with that. But here's the real answer to your question about what I've learned since then. And this has to do with Mr. Weiner's book about banking like the banks do. Because what I found out, I, I always knew that you could take loans from a life insurance policy. And I've been a life insurance agent for over 20 years. So I've always obviously known about surrender charges. But I, I so I always had the idea in the back of my mind that, yeah, you could take money out of loans over life insurance. But I always was thinking like 10 years down the road, that type mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe I could use it to like finance a Ford F-150 or something. Mm -hmm. but it never occurred to me that I could use that money right away to pay off something major like a mortgage. Mm. And so I guess in a nutshell, that's what I've learned is how to bank like a bank, literally what the banks do by getting a waiver of surrender charges because taking a loan from a life insurance policy is not banking like a bank. That's just taking a loan from a life insurance policy, right. doing it right away with no surrender charges is banking like a bank. And in a, in a nutshell, I'm also hearing what it sounds like you're telling us is that you need an economic GPS system as much as you need a, a navigation system in your car to get you from point A to point B. I mean, you know, to have something that not only keeps you accountable, but shows you what to go and is going to, you know, essentially move with you and pivot with you because we all have 
unexpected life changes and scenarios that's going to happen. That's just life 101. You know, Forrest Gump already told us, you know, it happens. So banking like a bank. Yeah, banking like a bank. I mean, what a concept for people to wrap their brains around. It's, you know, it sounds too good to be true. And yet, in the back of our mind is that nagging that says, yeah, but by the way, lending money is the most profitable thing there is on planet earth. So it sounds too good to be true, but it works because it's working for banks. And if anybody hasn't taken notice in the midst of all this inflation and mortgage interest rising rates and everything happening, um, banks are still making money and growing and opening up around the corner. So how does that work, Chris? Well, I don't think that anybody questions that banks are profitable, like you say. That's not the part that sounds too good to be true. The part that might sound too good to be true is I can do that? Mm -hmm. Bingo. Huh? Really? That's the part that sounds too good to be true. Because it doesn't take any willful suspension of disbelief to understand that large corporations like Walmart and Panera and Starbucks and Nike have been imitating banks. But heretofore, unless we were a corporation or a bank, we couldn't do these kind of things. And all it really boils down to, as you know, Caleb, is turning on something called a rider. I mean, we've all bought different types of insurance policies for different things. And there's different riders that you can choose to turn on or off. And they usually have some sort of a fee or sometimes they come with it. But we're really just talking about a rider. But this rider is usually only available to banks and businesses. Hmm. So the only thing that we're really showing people is that we have a relationship with one of the foremost insurance companies in North America that's been around for 175 years. And this isn't a commercial for them, so I'm not going to say their name. But uh, we, we work with a blue blood insurance company that uh, is arguably the safest insurance company in North America. And I'm not going to get into all the exact whys right now. We have an educational webinar that explains in a little more detail. But uh, for our purposes right now, we work with one of the safest, most secure, oldest insurance companies in America, not some brand new company that nobody's ever heard of. Okay. And uh, they are, I guess the only word for it is a little bit more generous than other companies. And they are willing to make the same rider that's available to banks and businesses available to everyday Jills and Joes. Hmm. Powerful. So that kind of leads me into the next question around, you know, why have most folks not heard about this? I mean, obviously we've all seen the books and maybe paid for the programs, you know, do what the wealthy do or get rich like the rich do or things like that. But at the end of the day, secrets of the rich, right? We all realize that, they they've kept these strategies and tools under wraps for a reason, right? I mean, you know, they, it goes without saying, right? They're not necessarily adamant about making the world as wealthy as they are, but obviously something has happened with this shift in technology and having accessibility, as you said, that in years previous, nobody had. So talk to us a little bit about that. You know, why, why is it not been heard about by the, you know, general Q public out there? And why is education about it so important in this day and age? Well, somebody much smarter than me once told me if uh, what you thought to be true turned out not to be true, when would you want to know? Hmm. And so the only rational answer to that is right away, or you could joke and say yesterday or something, right? Um, so 
if we didn't plant a tree 20 years ago, which is the best time to plant a tree, the next best time is right now. And so people just you don't know what you don't know, right? So it's just a, really a matter of education. And there are certain things that have simply not been widely made available that are uh, fairly recent in terms of being available to people. They're like fairly new things. So without doing a whole history of insurance, the whole concept even of universal life insurance um, only started in about the 80s and indexed universal life insurance uh, only started fairly recently, let alone the stuff that we've been talking about with the riders. So the reason a lot of people haven't heard about it is because their parents didn't tell them about it. They didn't grow up hearing about it. It's, it's new in this generation, which doesn't mean it's untested or unproven. When the pyramid papers were released and uh, they literally, um, you, you remember that, Caleb? I'm sure you do. And, and they disclosed a bunch of information that wealthy people didn't necessarily want released and everything. Yep. People like Bernanke and... Uh, and, um, and, and so forth, uh, the people who run the Federal Reserve, uh, Janet Yellen, people like that, okay? Um, and it turns out that those individuals, when their assets, their personal assets were disclosed, had huge, huge amounts of their personal wealth in indexed annuities and indexed universal life insurance, which is, which is just to say that that's proof that that is what the wealthy are doing. And answering your question also about why maybe people haven't heard about it is because it is it is relatively new in this generation. It's an advancement or um, an evolution in terms of uh, financial vehicles that are available. Okay, but there's a lot of people in a lot of places these days where you could go get indexing. And for for those who might not know, I should maybe say a word very briefly that in any type of an indexed product, you get um, the upside return of whatever a particular index connected to some sort of equity market, most typically a stock market, although it could also be connected to real estate or bond markets, but it's an index. It's sort of like a mutual fund, except in a mutual fund, there's fees and you can lose money. Mm -hmm. And what we're talking about, there's no fees for asset management. You have to have insurance. No one said insurance was free, but there are no fees for asset management and there's no risk of losing money. Mm. So that's the basic concept of indexing. And when we look at the 20-year return of the S&P 500, um, depending on exactly when you cut that off, that's returned about an average of around 5.5% compared to 8.92% for the U.S. Pace Sitter Index that you and I, buddy, both have our money in personally. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Um, so 8.92 is quite a bit better than 5.5 and it's because they took the losses off the table and you don't just get what the market makes, you get a, a higher percentage. Like on the one we have, we get 130% of whatever the market does. Mm -hmm. So if they did 10, we get credited 13. Anyway, that's just very quickly on what indexing is. And you could find out about indexing from, uh, hundreds of thousands of different agents with literally a thousand different companies that do index products. What we're talking about today and what banking like a bank is, is using that type of product with the right kind of rider that makes it literally banking like a bank. And when you do that, going back to my example, if, if I didn't have the extra insurance product and I was using a regular savings account, I could still save money on interest cancellation and I could still get out of debt much faster and free up that money for anything else I wanted with a normal bank, with a normal savings account. 
but the 250000 of principal to get those results would go to the finance company never to be seen again. So let me back up. I'm a, there's one thing I haven't explained yet. When we're taking a loan, I mean, I did mention several times we're taking a loan, but we are taking a loan. So Caleb, as you know, in my personal little microbank, I've managed to get in an extra 25000 and take it back out as a loan. Mm-hmm. But here's the big thing that people need to understand. My 25000 is still at the insurance company earning interest. Correct. And just using a round number, if I made 10% this year, I now have a new $2,500 I could go spend. Or if it was 5%, I have a new twelve fifty. So it would be too good to be true if I could go spend that 25000 again right away. I deposited it. I can only get a loan for what I've deposited, like a piggy bank. Mm-hmm. But I'm earning interest on what I deposited. So I am paying for the loan and I am earning money on it. Hmm. Um, but what I was uh, what I was saying was by depositing that money and then taking the loan, I'm earning that money back over time. Right. And the loan wasn't free. It's a real loan. The most I could ever pay for it, the cap is 5%. That's written in my contract, just like yours. And if I have a historical rate of return of around eight or nine at four percent just based on the historical averages in 18 years i literally would be able to spend that twenty five thousand again using the rule of 72 right caleb mm-hmm. absolutely so bank, banking like a bank means having the opportunity to spend some of that money if not all of it again and if you're a young person, like I have a client in Arizona who's only 24. She's a law student. Um, there's another uh, relatively young client in Connecticut. These young ladies are going to pay off their debts and probably be able to spend that seed money, not just again, but maybe even three, maybe even four times again, depending on what actually happens in the economy. Hmm. Or not wow. my, my own 27-year-old son. So the younger you start, the better, obviously. Uh, because of the time value of money. And and I guess the legacy that I ultimately want to leave really is the education. Because mm-hmm. the, there's that old saying about you can teach a lady to fish uh, or you can give her a fish. But if you teach her how to fish, she'll be able to fish the rest of her life and never be hungry again. That's right. That's right. You know, it's interesting. Yesterday evening, I made a post and it went along the lines of essentially do what the banks do not what the banks tell you to do. Meaning banks traditionally, they'll offer you right a CD or a money market account or a traditional savings account where you're earning minuscule amounts. But what they're doing on the side, i.e. keeping their cash reserves and, and life insurance and lending out money and making massive profits is not what they're normally encouraging people to do. And I know that for yourself and, and me as well, you mentioned that uh, big, scary, dangerous R word, risk. Most people, as a whole, in general, right? Unless you, you know, have an investor mindset or you're, you know, willing to stick your neck out there and take a big loss, are, are risk adverse. They don't care to take risks. Well, ri- risk is one of the the wealth killers that I always talk about. And uh, when we can take risk off the table, that's a pretty uh, important development for being able to leave a legacy. And uh, taxes is the other, there's different types of risk. There's investment risk, there's risk of losing money to taxes, there's risk of losing money to fees. So uh, there's investment risk, tax risk, 
And, uh, and then there's also the risk of your money losing its purchasing power, which is what happens if you just stick it in a regular savings account, inflation risk. All right. So what, what is the catch behind all this? If there, if there is one, Chris, like people are probably thinking, you know, this guy over here or that gal over there can do this, but what about me? Can I do this? Can I be successful at it? You, you have to have positive cash flow, as I mentioned. Uh, so this program is not for everybody. And uh, you definitely have to be uh, coachable and have the right kind of mindset. Uh, but you certainly have to have the right kind of technology. So, Caleb, I ask clients all the time, and uh, I already, you, you already know the answer to this, but just play along with me. Uh, what's the closest bank near where you live? Bank of America, Chase? Yeah, Wells Fargo. Any of them works. Let's say Wells Fargo. If you could take over the local Wells Fargo down the street and you didn't have to pay anything to do it, you just had to pass a health check, and you had to agree to take over all the payments, all the overhead, that you got to keep the profit after that, of course you'd do that, wouldn't you? Without a doubt. Okay. So if you, there was only one thing different about that and they took out the computers, would you still take the deal? Mm, probably not. I wouldn't at all. There's no chance I would. Because without the computers, there's no chance that that can, bank is going to be profitable. So answering your question, you can make this work if you have the right technology, you're coachable, and you have positive cash flow. If you, if you meet those, and, and there's one other one, you have to be healthy enough to get insured or have somebody in your family who's insurable, who you could do a joint survivor thing with. That makes sense. And it sounds like you kind of do need a, a business mindset as well, Chris. Is that accurate? You know, that's a really good point, Caleb. I mean, uh, entrepreneur mindset. I mean, you're the metalpreneur. Uh, but uh, absolutely, if you're going to bank like a bank, a bank's a business, right? It is. You, you, can't, you can't run a business without having a business mindset. And so we do need to get in the habit of uh, it's really three simple steps. You make your money and you pay your bills the way you always have. Whatever is left over is your savings. You send that into your own personal bank. And if you, by doing that, instead of a regular savings account, you're banking like a bank instead of banking for the bank. And you're putting that money to work like the banks do. Because banks never sit on money. They'd go out of business if they did. Think about it. If, uh, if banks took in your money and just sat on it, and didn't do anything with it, they'd go out of business very quickly. They couldn't pay their tellers or yeah. the yeah. ATM. So um, I guess, does that answer your question? Fred? It does. And here's, here's a visual for people. When you think of money, another word for money is currency. Now visualize in your mind, current. See, money is a current. It's supposed to flow. And that is why lending money is so successful. And that is why banks do it the way that they're doing it. So Chris, are there other companies out there that are doing it like this? I mean, is, is this something unique to, to the company we're talking about? And if so, why have they successfully found and implemented this particular strategy? Well, that's a really interesting question, Caleb. Um, and there's a couple layers to that. So first of all, there's the insurance company. 
uh, that offers this uh, balance sheet benefit rider. And there's only one company that we know of. In fact, uh, we've searched for other companies because we'd like, we'd prefer to have competition, but there's only one company that's offering it uh, for regular consumers. There are, uh, there are plenty of other companies that offer it for banks and businesses, as we talked about, okay? Um, as far as um, an agent that you could talk to, theoretically, any licensed life insurance agent could do this for you, theoretically. But there's only one agency whose founder wrote a book about this and figured out how to do it, and that's Global Renaissance. And, um, and so we do provide an educational webinar that people can learn more uh, in detail about how um, all this works, find out if they would be eligible for it, and find out um, how much time and money they could save, and more importantly, how they could put lending to work for them since lending Going back to what you were talking about kind of in our last segment, banks don't invest. That's what they tell you to do, like you said, not what they do themselves, because lending is way more profitable than investing. The wealthiest person I know is a, a, a guy in Utah, uh, Mr. Cordova, and he's a general partner for um, a, 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 not a hedge fund, but um, a private equity fund. And uh, that, that's a lot of certification to do that. He has a background as an investment banker. And, uh, in, and before that, he had a background as a commercial banker. And I asked him, Ken, is there anything more profitable than lending? And he laughed. And he's like, yeah, you figured it out, did you, Chris? Because <laughs> that, that's literally, like you were saying, Caleb, what banks do. So, I mean, even if you're the most sophisticated general partner of a private equity fund, He's trying to figure out how he can use this same concept to take the money out and then go and invest it. Because the only thing more powerful than lending is taking lending and then going and investing it. We haven't talked about that. Chris, yeah, you've shared a, a lot of wonderful nuggets with us today and everyone. I hope that you're absorbing this information. And this is going to be you know, one of those shows and programs that you're going to want to go back and probably watch or listen to a second or a third time here. It takes some time to begin to digest this information. But when we say transformative and, and life-changing, once you begin implementing these things to your life, it will forever change not only your financial trajectory, but your family legacy and future. So we want to encourage you to reach out and, and get more information. And Chris, so appreciative of you taking the time with us today, brother, man. I appreciate you. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. Have a great blessed rest of your day. Thanks for tuning into the show. Please be sure you subscribe on YouTube or the podcast on anchor.fm and follow me on social media at metalpreneur. If you're ready to talk about building your own bank, use the QR code or go to rebrand.ly slash build a bank. Be sure and join us for the next broadcast as together we learn to live and operate just like the banks do.